Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 6, Episode 5. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Project Voice, now general partner of Project Voice Capital Partners, a venture fund in the space. Thank you for joining us. If you're joining us on YouTube or on your podcast provider of choice. We have a fantastic guest panel today, and uh, we're going to get on into it. Our first guest is Audrey Arbini. Audrey, say hello. And you're on mute. Hi, Bradley. Thank you for having me on. I'm Audrey Arbini. I'm the CEO, founder, executive producer of AudioBrain. We are a global sonic branding firm. And what that is, is we take the creative, strategic, and a very holistic approach to music, sound, voice, and vibration. We have a strategy and we leverage it across every relevant touch point of a brand so that you have a cohesive experience for your customer and you have a unified communication for your brand. Audrey, thank you for being part of this with us. Uh, you're, thank you. You're one of a kind. Appreciate, appreciate you setting the time aside. Thank you. Our next guest is Paul Wellam of Sarah Proc. Paul, say hello. Hi. Thank you for having me, Bradley. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, Paul, tell us who you are and tell us about Sarah Proc and what y'all do. Um, I'm one of the founders of Sarah Proc. We've been going since about 2005. We specialize in only speech synthesis. So we do first people to introduce character for speech synthesis. We also got into the voice cloning uh, game very early on. We've, uh, we did Roger Ebert. If any of you remember Roger Ebert, the film credit? Yes, I do. Um, so all, that's all we do. So we mainly work with systems integrators who take our product and incorporate it into their solution, which they sell on. But, you know, so we work across all marketplaces. We're not focused on one vertical. We're truly horizontal. So we're in, you know, we call centers, governments users, education companies users, AAC companies users, transport companies users. And that's probably why a lot of you haven't heard of us because our route to market is through systems integrators. Although we do sell our products off our website direct to end users. So we have a B2B product as well. So that's us in a nutshell. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and uh, thank you very much. You're yeah, super unique company. Thank you for making the time to be on the show today, Paul. Our third and final guest is Sean Austin of Helio. Sean, say hello. Hey, good morning, Bradley. I appreciate the uh, invite to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for joining us, Sean. you got an interesting company as well. Take a moment. Tell us who you are and tell us about Helios. Yeah, absolutely. So Sean Austin, I'm a co-founder and, and CEO of Helios. We're the only company in the world right now that takes the tone of voice, really how somebody communicates versus just the words they're saying and allows hedge funds, really asset managers globally, to integrate better decisioning in their strategies. So hedge funds are, uh, as we can imagine, a, a tough nut to crack, a tough bunch, a lot of smart guys and gals in that space. We are um, ahead of the game, have ambitions to go beyond it with our platform, but very much uh, producing a very unique data feed for the world uh, in finance. Excellent. Sean, thank you for being here. I appreciate you as well. So with that, we'll get to the news. And this episode is a little bit different. So this group, we were going to record this a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, we're not able to do that with the holidays. So our 
stories, uh, and this has happened before, stories have got, uh, you know, a week or two of age, but they're in, in December, it really doesn't make that much difference anyway. We're going to start with, uh, and I'm going to read this headline out loud from uh, Reuters about Soundhound. Voice assistant maker Soundhound to go public via $2 billion SPAC deal. Now, Soundhound is one of the original players in the space, a longtime participant in the voice and AI sector. And to see this sort of deal go down, um, very interesting. Uh, Caused a lot of conversation, and I I think most of it's good. Sean, I'm going to start with you. We're going to rotate as we go through. Sean, I'm going to start with you and go in reverse reverse order of the introductions. With this story and this little bit of news, you know, you've got a company that uh, is making a lot of waves. What stood out to you with this sort of deal that Soundhound did in this uh, this article? Yeah, besides the world uh, right now is SPAC heavy. So it's, uh, of course, a vehicle of choice for a lot of very high growth potential companies. I uh, I think back to knowing Soundhound as a, a identifier for just music, right? Way back to the Shazam days. And like you said, one of the early players, you go to their website now, their headline is connecting people with brands through conversational technology. You know, you think about the the niche that they started with and now this wide domain that's getting recognized as high growth. So, I mean, that that jumps out to me in the understanding and being in the space for a while, <clears throat> certainly seeing them go wide and being now a, a connector or a platform or really like a, the infrastructure certainly is a really bullish, you know, positive statements happening in the space and where it's uh, where it's moving towards. You know, SPACs, uh, I'll ask you a follow-up here, and then I'll, I'll move on to Paul. Um, you know, SPACs um, are not always viewed as a positive um, when some companies have used them. Um, they've sort of been a mixed bag. My personal feeling on Soundhound is that it is a positive uh, for several reasons. Uh, but the question is, is for you, do you view it as a positive uh, that they finance themselves this way or have some other thoughts on it? Yeah, and I think you're totally right. I mean, in the world of SPACs, it's definitely not a 100% binary. It's always a positive, right? There's certain liquidity um, uh, measures and thinking that goes into it and, and strategy. For this one specifically, I see it really strongly, really positively. They have some major brands in place from Honda, to Deutsche Telekom, uh, I believe with T-Mobile, Mercedes-Benz, right, Kia. They have a massive uh, footprint one that I believe gives them an advantage. And without knowing the guys personally or the, the girls driving it, guys and gals, I would say they uh, they see the opportunity in front of them. So it's back for them, the major growth lever, major liquidity uh, event for potentially uh, investors or individuals in the company. And that lets them uh, attack a space that, you know, is, is one we're all looking at. Very important, very fast growing. And for me, definitely positive from what I've seen from them. Excellent. So, Paul, I'm going to go to you and a similar question, you know, um, Soundhound, longtime player in the space, um, interesting player in the space. Uh, you are also an interesting a player. player in the space. Uh, your thoughts when you look at this news and this article? Um, I think it's, a, I always think anything like this is good for the tech industry, um, whatever aspects of it you're in. In terms of um, Soundhand, um, I think they've, you know, they they started with a really good niche. Uh, they've expanded out of that. They've done very well. Although, you know, 
they're using other people's technology all the time. For their text-to-speech, they're mainly uh, using ReadSpeaker. So you kind of wonder if part of the funding is to hopefully to buy in technology, but they so they own it themselves or to develop it themselves, I guess. I'd feel a bit exposed um, if I was, you know, had a product like they've got or a range of solutions like they've got, and I was very dependent on other people for the delivery of some of it. That's my, you know, but as, as I say, I see it as a positive move. Yeah, no, I mean, that's an interesting thought that, uh, so so you think maybe some of the financing might enable them to to bring some stuff in the house? That's an interesting thought. Yeah, you know, you kind of wonder why a successful business would go for financing like this. I get the impression from what I've read about this type of finance, and as you said, it's not that popular with a lot of people. So I was trying to work out what the logic was. Yeah, no, that's interesting because um, that, that thought didn't necessarily cross my mind, though. Maybe it should have. Uh, that's great. Audrey, I'm going to go to you and ask the same thing. You know, you come at this from a little bit different of an angle, but I, I, I'm interested to hear your point of view because you've been around this space as long as anybody. When you look at this story and what Soundtown has done here, what are your thoughts? For Soundtown, it's a very good thing. I think going down as a SPAC deal is good for them, in my opinion. I think it's growing in popularity. It has gone gigantic in the past year. And I think for them, it's suitable because it's fast. It's, it's a fast way to get this going. And I think that their intent is to then bring other things in, um, just as Paul said, but I, I think, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years and I know Soundhound from when Soundhound was a, an original player and to see how they've changed their model and, and moved it and been successful at it. I have a very strong feeling that we're seeing uh, the uh, evolution of how a lot of deals get done. And I don't think SPAC is going to work for everybody. I really don't. So it's got to be the right company, the right fit, the right offering. And in this case, I was, well, first of all, I was blown away by the money. And second of all, like really blown away by the money. And second of all, I thought that, it, you know, I, I follow them quite closely and I thought it was, a, it's, probably going to be a pretty powerful deal. Yeah, no, I have to agree. I, I think that the, the, the dollar figure was, um, mind blowing, um, <laughs> illumin was... illuminating, illuminating is perhaps my word choice. Um, no, look, I mean, we all know those folks. Um, it, it was about $220 million, wasn't it? If I remember right. For, for what the SPAC deal. Yeah. Uh, two two billion two point one billion, and you're and you're on mute. Thought I remember from the press release it was like two hundred and twenty million, but um, um, I pass. The um, yeah. So what what do you say? Out of the two billion, it was uh, the two hundred. There two hundred million was some particular part of it. Oh. You're back on mute. 
Yeah, I thought there was a um, they were going to get about two hundred forty-four million or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, oh yeah, no, you you might be further in the weeds on on the specific implications of the financing than I am for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean the 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 dollar figure, um, the headline. Two billion is eye popping. You know, if it is two hundred fifty million that flows to them, that's fairly significant uh, cash flow. Uh, also, um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, they've um, they've typically been a pretty conservative organization, um, and so I think that's from my standpoint, um, seeing this sort of um, proactive, you know, potentially perceived as even aggressive sort of move. Um, but if you look at the sort of history of the last, you know, 15 years, 16 years since we've been going, they had the financial crash, um, various other issues occurred, and, you know, the last two years have been interested as well. So it's probably good to proceed with caution under the present circumstances, I would say. Sure. I think, Paul, you're hit, you were hitting the uh, market cap, the valuation there being $2 billion, right? The value to the organization versus proceeds. So definitely high growth, uh, at least from that that valuation of two billion right yeah yeah no so we're so we're in alignment that this is uh it's it's good um but but uh worth watching um which which is kind of what it feels like um story number two and i'm going to read this it's from the verge now alexa can tell netflix to just quote play something so paul i'm gonna start with you and then audrey and then sean on this one um I love things like this because to me, it kind of provides a glimpse of the future of interacting with AI, right? I mean, tell it, tell it to play something, you know, as opposed yeah. to, me, to figure everything out. I got to figure it, figure out what I want to play. No, I want you to just tell me. So my question for you is um, what stood out? And then if there's, this is the only story related to Alexa we have on the docket, which itself is unusual because usually there's more than one. Um, your thoughts on not, you know, the thought, your thoughts think, on you the know, story, but also on the Alexa ecosystem where the Alexa ecosystem stands out, you know, stands currently in your mind. I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of it. Um, okay. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a great sort of feature, if you like, to add to Alexa that, you know, and hopefully Alexa will learn to know what you like as well. So, I'm assuming it's going to tie into Netflix and what you've said you like on Netflix in the past or whatever. So, in terms of Alexa, and you know, I'm always kind of amazed with Alexa. Lots of um, corporations let Alexa do a lot of their legwork for them, where they're sort of giving control of their customer to uh, to Alexa or to you know. That would be my concern as a if I was running the company. Such as Netflix. I mean, yeah, if um, it's a different environment, right, than it was in 2017, 2018, where you had companies signing up left and right to participate in the Alexa ecosystem and, and privacy slash data security was a muted concern. Now um, it's a loud concern, um, which is a, a totally separate issue. And, and Audrey, I'll, I'll segue that to ask you the same question. You know, uh, what stood out to you with this article and your thoughts on where the Alexa ecosystem stands at, you know, at the end of 2021? And you're, and you're on mute. 
<laughs> I should just leave it on. Um, I thought it was very strategic. I thought that it was smart to go with Netflix when there was so many other players that they could have done this with, play something. I think in a way they're competing in a, in a little way with themselves, with Prime, uh, which surprised me, but it doesn't. Because if you read between the lines, they say for now. And those two words for now, um, they're aligning with a company that's doing stuff that's the future, in my opinion, Netflix and the way Netflix is operating and the, the loyalty and the uh, experience design. And, but it's those words for now. And if they're doing it with, um, with you, you know, you have to have the fire also. Um, and I think it's, it's a launching pad. I think it's going to go out beyond Netflix uh, once it's really stabilized with Netflix. Interesting. Yeah, I could see that. And Sean, I want to ask you the same question. Um, you know, is, is this, uh, how does this news strike you? Is it interesting? Is it something more than interesting? And your thoughts on the Alexa ecosystem? First off, I love uh, anywhere more voice technology gets in when I'm watching uh watching all my series, binging them. So off the bat, always a positive, but I would go with Audrey hundred uh, percent, this idea that Amazon can potentially get more data, you know, more volume and understanding. I mean, that's a, that's the golden, you know, uh, path, you know, that's the well of, of oil as it were for all these systems. So I'm sure that's a piece of the play for them. Like Audrey said, there's a, for now, is an important quality there. The uh, kind of like unique part of one that strikes me, Bradley, to your question, is we're, uh, we're seeing voice become and is the most natural interface, right? So there's, a I think, a consumerization or call it a widespread adoption that I'm very much uh, excited about. But seeing that at one of the most you know dominant streaming providers now with one of the most dominant companies or largest market cap companies on the planet, I mean, it, it's quite a signal that uh, this natural interface that everybody has from essentially early days of life uh, is starting to really connect with the machine. So I guess there's only one step beyond that, which is reading our thoughts. So we'll leave that for another uh, another podcast, Bradley, or another uh, show entirely. But the voice, um, just kind of like adoption to it, it's it's fantastic to see it's, it's going to be there in front and center uh, just for millions of more people. Um, you know, Alexa is doing something else. They um, They have a team working on the 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 singular query what should i read next and um the guy in charge of that they took he he uh, had had a successful project with the starfinder game for for alexa and they brought him over and they're working on answering that question so it, it feels like um amazon's moving the right direction in terms of making this more proactive and contextual. And I guess we're gonna spend 2022 having a bunch of episodes of this show discussing privacy, because that's what that's what that's about. I think the danger is it takes away um, from the individual, um, you know, looking at other things. You know, if you, it gets, you know, you won't discover new things if you're always being told what you're gonna like, if you see what I mean. I think there's a danger for, 
ask. I, you know, I think it's a good move. I mean, I'm not I, anything like that to me is a is a great move as long as they don't use it really just to push more things down people's throats. I guess it, it, the the devil's in the execution. You know, Alexa. Well, you, yeah. you know, Alexa's going to listen to me around my house and uh, you know whatever it is it's hearing and and. Uh, you know, I go to ask you, what should I read next? Or Netflix, what should you play for me? And, and it'll say, well, you're you're kind of stupid. So, you know, maybe we should play this for you. You know what I mean? Or whatever. I mean, it. it uh, <laughs> I could see it, uh, to your point, uh, Paul, I could see them using it to uh, uh, commoditize. Uh, well, I, I, I didn't really believe this until recently, but I, I was talking about nappies. My daughter's just had a, her first baby. And um, suddenly I got a number of, when I was on YouTube, I started getting uh, adverts about nappies and things like that. I was like, oh, sorry, diapers to you guys. Um, so I was kind of, hey, it is true then. There you go. Because I've never done any searches or anything. You know, I think that Google's, uh, Google's new mantra, too, you know, the do no evil thing from long ago, I think is uh, know what you want before you want it. I think it's yeah. what the, the world are morphing into your sand, Paul. That, that is a very valid fact, yeah. Uh, a company that I think does this really well, and, and Audrey, I would, I would think you would agree, is Spotify. Um, you know, I love Spotify, and uh, when I use Spotify, they have a, a uncanny, a almost borderline magical ability to put, um, uh, uh, you know, recommendations in front of me. And Sean, I forgot you work for Spotify, so you maybe you agree. I'm partially responsible for those uh, <laughs> those little moments, apparently that you're having. Yeah. A few years, but. Well, Just thank you, then, because I, I really love Spotify. Um, yeah, and so when it works well, it's magical. But when it works poorly, it's obtrusive and gross. So, you know, I guess time will tell. Um, you know, I have hope for Amazon here. But uh, anyway, I guess we all sort of view this as a positive. Any closing thoughts before we move on to the next one? The closer we get to uh, having the machine feel like you're talking to a person, I think is a good one. You know, going through like a thousand different screens and learning a thousand new UIs. I mean, I've lived in that world of software development, and I think it's just a... I don't feel that's a positive. It's sort of an artifact of just what we've done as a global community building software. So this this is a good move, I think, in this direction. Yeah, no, I, I hope so. Um, story number three, voice, and this is from the Economic Times in India. Um, voice AI company Skit looks to hire 1,000 people across US, Southeast Asia, and India. So... Uh, on occasion, I'll, I'll throw in articles like this that sort of represent growth for different companies. Um, and here, I think it's a bit of a Rorschach test where you could uh, zone in on the fact that there's international uh, traction with voice and AI. You could, you, there's a number of things that maybe you could, could zero in on. Audrey, I'm gonna start with you. What in particular stood out, if anything, about this piece? What stood out was how, how totally unsurprised I was because I could judge by the type of, you know, we've had our company for 18 years. We work all over the world. We do very high profile projects. 
and the projects that have been coming in um, in the past couple of years from that region for Southeast, Southeast, Southeast Asia, Southeast Asia, from Qatar, I, these, it did not surprise me at all because we get a lot of calls. We've been doing projects that you would not have heard from five, six years ago. They're really booming and into this. Uh, so it does not surprise me whatsoever. And uh, I, that's how I felt when I, when I read it. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, uh, uh, that was my reaction as well. Not necessarily from the geographical point of view, but it's like, oh, look, here's another company, you know, just from a voice and AI standpoint broadly um that is uh that, that's capturing some some tailwind and going somewhere sean i'm going to ask you the same question what if anything in particular stood out to you from from this piece yeah the the enterprise lean is a big one here so customer experience for the enterprise and they actually have a very similar mission to when we talked about sound town earlier in the show the uh but the enterprise lean for me i mean it's a very different animal um, the fact that this is an India-specific investment to crack into that, it looked like there was spend and growth across the board for what they're looking to invest in, sort of a more general response. You know, everything's getting some growth to it, but having, you know, you mentioned international rally, but having a, a sole focus of, a, you know, growth in India around that enterprise and adoption for there uh, just jumps out to me that there's uh, clearly uh, interest abroad. There's clearly an opportunity to expand that customer experience and that CX is is something the uh, enterprise cares about more and more, right? Contact centers and beyond. Now no, I got on. you, Bradley. I'm here. Um, yeah, no, that's a great point as well, and uh, and that that'll let me segue naturally to Paul asking you the same question. Um, heard um, points. Of I, I looked. At, I read it with great interest. I mean, I've actually in the past had responsibility for opening offices in other countries and they, they, you know, have got quite ambitious growth plans. I mean, they want to achieve 10 times growth over the next uh, year. I think that's probably a little bit unrealistic personally. It takes a lot of time and effort to set up new operations in new countries because it's so many things are different in each country. You know, you've got a lot of cultural differences, uh, you know, hiring and firing people is, is different everywhere. Um, so I, I I read it and thought interesting. I wonder how that, how successful they will be. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I took it. My take on it as well was it's more it was aimed at uh, getting growth in the U.S. market more than anything, and it also implied a lot of the people they were taking on were salespeople rather than engineers. So they must have a fairly good uh, product group of people out in India to. So they can deploy stuff, hopefully. That's and some of, oh, go ahead, Audrey. And some of the projects that we've done are being geared towards the American market and uh, other countries. They're just coming out of that region uh, and they didn't before. Yeah, I have to second that because, you know, we're seeing a, a definitely growing and a healthy and growing number of companies um, 
out of in, out of India for sure, um, as well as other uh, ge- ge- you know localities in that neck of the woods. That, well, they, uh, they've totally sort of liberalized their economy over the last 20 years. So that before it was very difficult to do business with India, either way, in or out, basically. I, I actually looked after an operation in, um, in India for about four years. It was quite an interesting experience. Well, it feels like something shifted because a lot of these guys, I mean, we, get, we get our share of pings from companies that want to come to the United States and that they're, they've, they've maybe got a foothold here. Um, they've got something going on, a person or two, and, and they're looking to do more. And that's, that's starting to become a common refrain to, you know, to, to have cut your teeth in India and now you're coming over here. Um, you know, so that's, uh, I have to totally, I mean, that's just what our experience has been. Any closing thoughts on this story before we move on to the last one? No, but I say good luck to them. Oh yeah, no, they're going to need it. It's, it's starting to get crowded in here too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of pointed out. Um, I, I I was trying to work out what the differentiator was, and I couldn't really see one. So, you know, there's a lot of people competing for that space. I would say. <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I think just about every space. Um, it's it's. Uh, well, that'll be a topic for another time. Is that you know, post pandemic, it's 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 getting crowded. Uh, in here, no matter what your particular niche is or, 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 or vertical or approach. Um, we will go to our last story here. Story number four, this is from VoiceBot. Read speaker debuts voice user interface platform for Nintendo Switch. And um, like a number of these stories, I think there's a, a few different things that perhaps you could gravitate to. I, I um, uh, where I personally gravitate to is is the evolution of voice-oriented uh, gaming and voice-in gaming. Um, and it's not quite at a level I would call mature. It's still in the oven and cooking. Um, it's not out of the oven yet, but, uh, you know, it's it's starting to, to develop some form and definition, uh, in my opinion. Um, Sean, I'm going to start with you, and then Paul, I'll go to you, and then Audrey, I'll close with you. Um, do you agree with that? You think uh, that the voice in gaming is prime? You think it's uh, too premature? Anything else to, uh, stand out to you with this? Yeah, I don't think it's premature in the sense that it needs incorporation. It has been a part of it. I mean, think about multiplayer games that people are discussing and talking with or just AI bots that have existed for some time. I would uh, make sure, Bradley, you don't get through a show without mentioning the metaverse and everything that's coming down the pipe with uh, that new rebranding and, and company. But the idea that these virtual worlds uh, you would converse in, right? That now we know extreme investment being uh, done in it. It's not a, you know, a little bit of a rebrand there, but tons of investment will be coming and used to ramp up. I think there's a, a perfect overlap with what we're seeing now on you know very prolific devices that are not metaverse I would say. But the uh, the incoming you know gaming world that will be in there, the the social aspect to it. And I would expect, and I think we've already seen the, the voice piece of it too. So I think uh, kind of like a lot of these themes, it's needed uh, important overlap with what we're seeing coming in the future in the next 10 years. And uh, again, getting this out to now a different non-enterprise niche, totally downstream, <clears throat> I think with consumers and individuals, uh, just hammers home the point that it's the most real interface uh, and one that needs to be heavily thought of, adopted and, and used.
Paul, this is your uh, this is your neck of the woods. This is uh, something that uh, you know. Obviously, uh, I've always been very disappointed by the games companies not taking up synthetic speech quicker than they have. I mean, they're very much into audio prompts in games. Um, yeah, I've so always thought it, it. I've always thought it'd be great if you could clone your voice, and you know, when you're not online on a, a platform, some AI bot could be playing for you using your voice, etc., and keeping it going for you. Oh, that's um, interesting. Um, and, you know, the, the problem with a lot of games is the content can be dynamic, but they make it static. They're just replaying the same old prompts, and I, I you know, I, I really wish they'd be a bit more. You know, look at other opportunities than using recorded prompts all the time. Use synthetic speech. Make it a more dynamic uh, environment for people to play games in. It it seems like um, just in my my evaluation of the, this market, and as, as well as being a lifelong gamer as well, that um, the the uh, they're starting to become a a market opportunity around games. You know, AAA titles, uh, although to some degree indie titles are, you know, have can can witness this problem too. You know, you you have these engines and these well-developed tools that can allow you to create these large game worlds, and then the, and then you create the large game world, and you have all these these rich characters and and this this dynamic environment. Oh, but wait a minute! Nobody budgeted in having ten thousand human narrators for the 10,000 characters across the universe. Um, and so now what? Uh, and the now what has been various different awful answers that different companies have tried to apply to this, but it appears like there's a market opportunity around synthetic voice companies um, doing things to, uh, to enable um, the creation uh, in different ways from different companies I've seen uh, the the lending of a lot of synthetic voices to fill that gap in a cost effective way. Do you agree with that? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, we do a lot of. I mean, it's a separate area um, on uh, flight simulators. We lots of our voices are used in background to sort of simulate radio traffic and things like that. And in the gaming world, you could have a lot more, you know, inputs going on around you. Um, you know, of events that are going to happen or may happen or whatever. So it's not just a visual. It could also be, a you know, an audio world. It's quite interesting because they, they view it as they need to have high production standards on uh, games for the, the the sound of such. Whereas whenever I've sort of seen kids playing games, there's also a lot of noise going on in the room, you know, if they're multiplayers around. So you kind of think, what, what, what does it matter? You know, if it, you know, it, if you're having more fun by having, you know, rendering sound that maybe it's not such a high quality, but, you know, you're adding to the game. Does it really matter? But, you know, it's, a, you know, I think it's an area that uh, could be explored by the game manufacturers and publishers. publishers yeah, and so. yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that. I think it's going on now. I, to me, it stands out as a, as a particular use case. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about. Audrey, I'm going to go to you. With this story, it, it, with what you do in your line of sight, uh, what are your thoughts? What stood out? I loved it. I was so excited when I saw it. I mean, I did the Sonic branding for the Xbox 360. So I'm in gamer land like you, Bradley. And you, you know this, that we've done that. 
and we've done games and we've done a whole bunch of different things. Then kind of went to, to a different place a little bit. And now we're at a place where, and you have a young son, and uh, this is it. This is, first of all, the metaverse. Second of all, it's exploding faster. Like if you have a kid in your house or not even a kid, 18, 15 years old, 25 years old, whatever. Bradley, you, if you have anybody, this is big. This is really big, in my opinion, for what I do. Because this presents so much more opportunity to make an immersive um, experience to bring more of a connection with the customer, uh, the, the, the gamer, and the way that this stuff is going. I mean, we have this one room. It's got the lights. The whole room is strung with the lights. You've got the hoodies. You've got, you know what I mean? You've got a whole culture. It's, it's a culture like now everybody's finding about like NFTs and everything else. This culture is, is, is rolling. And this happening now is, is going to parallel it. So by the time they're really, really um, there, they're going to both be there and it's going to be fantastic. And we're building products right now that I can't talk about but they don't exist right now that are going to make that experience go through the roof. I mean, I just find the whole entire world, that whole entire world and taking everything, everything, the whole universe of, of gaming. And I was, and I'm, and I'm watching, you know, the, the drone international tournaments on a major network last week. I mean, and the announcers and the voices and everything else. But what I opportunity it presents for me is, and everything we talked about here is we talk, it's, there's so much about voice. There's not as much about sound and the music that supports underneath it. And I'm at a conference right now and Everyone is talking about voice, but I think we really need to understand that that voice is going to live next to sounds and those sounds are going to live next to music. And if they're not built in a holistic way for that brand, uh, I heard some things that people got funding for that blew my brain, but the uh, voice part was great or not, and the parts of it were just not quite there yet. So when these new products come out, it's gonna make it imperative for this stuff to sound really great. Bradley, Audrey makes a great point with the holistic piece that I'm fully biased towards from my Spotify background for music and recommendations, and now at Helios with Tone of Voice. So emotion is the last part of that um, announcement, right? Some of that news. So part of that SDK, I think they say joy, anger, I think discuss So sort of like major angles, how exactly they do it, if it's accurate, it's a whole different thing. But just like Audrey was saying with the sound, which can evoke emotion. I mean, for us, what we do 
you can think of it like a motion detection within a voice, right? Like you get the whole message and that works either synthetically, trying to, to you know, to describe and convey an emotion or vice versa where the machine would essentially be trying to understand the emotion. So that's a huge part and one we uh, uh, will fully agree with you, Audrey, and one we're fully close, you know, watching with Helios. When the game hears me saying these players are cheating, I expect it to then start letting me win. <laughs> you know, well, that's where we're going. Bradley's going to be top gamer in the world soon on the circuit. Um, no, look, uh, five or six years ago, it actually might have been longer than that, maybe seven or eight years ago, there was a report that came out. Yes, what year is it? 2021? Yeah, this was 2013, 2014. So, so seven or eight years ago, there was a report that came out that said the average age of a gamer, now that's a term that you know can, can be loosely defined, but the average age of a gamer in the United States at that time was 42 years old. <clears throat> um, and uh, that, uh, and so today I am 41 years old and um, you know, and I'm I'm a shameless gamer. Uh, we have a, our Thursday night Call of Duty with people all over the country, uh, you know, and and uh, doctors, lawyers, executives, and that's our version of hitting the golf course in many ways uh, during the week. And uh, so it's good to see gaming continue to evolve because I would put gaming alongside education as maybe sort of the last holdout of where voice and AI has fully uh, and meaningfully penetrated uh, to, the, to the extent it should. Um, any closing thoughts on this? I okay. think there's a lot of money going around. There's, there's so much money going around and people investing in this sort of thing that it's, and then we're talking in the past year, two years. Um, and it's going to be very interesting. I think the Nintendo Switch is going to be great. I think the Soundtown is going to be great. I mean, these were good topics. This was this was a good one, Bradley. I'm glad you didn't take the questions away. Hey, yeah, no, we, we tried. It, it, it was a nice loop as well because you know Soundhound and uh, Reese Speaker worked together. So uh, I think it was one of the film uh, American film producers that a lot of the effect of a film is the actual soundtrack and how it makes you feel. So that kind of emphasizes Audrey's point about music and speaking and as such. Sure. Um, well, look, to all of y'all, Audrey, Paul, Sean, thank you for taking the time, sharing your expertise and your experiences with the not just me, but the audience as well. It's greatly appreciated. Well, thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you, Thank Bradley. you for having us. For This Week in Voice, Season 6, Episode 5. Thank you for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, listening. If you're listening on your podcast provider of choice. We have one more episode coming before the end of the calendar year. It'll be a year in review sort of retrospective, uh, probably at some point next week. But until then, um, thank you for watching the show. And until next time. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let me hit stop recording.